We're recording this at about 7 o'clock on July 8th, 2019, so by the time you hear it, the Oilers and Flames have still done nothing interesting in the offseason. Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that just wishes it could talk about the NBA right about now. I'm Stuart Jones and with me is Darren Plett. Darren, we have gone through free agents, I don't want to use the word frenzy, we've gone through free agency. Our teams in particular have done very little of interest. Maybe we should start there? Yeah, we, we should start with the nothing that they have done, essentially. Yep, that about wraps it up. Join yeah. us next time. <laughs> next time on the Battle of Alberta podcast, we hope our teams do something. But they did do something that will have, obviously, a major impact on next season, and that is each of our teams, the Flames and the Oilers, signed a goalie, mm-hmm. and they didn't look particularly far to do it. <laughs> no. As the Flames signed ex-Oilers goalie Cam Talbot, he was traded to the Flyers in the middle of the season from the Oilers, and then he signed a one-year, $2.75 million contract with the Flames, and the Oilers went right out and acquired Mike Smith for one year, $2 million. He, of course, an ex-Flames goalie from the past two seasons, so uh, I guess the Battle of Alberta just liked what they saw from the other side. <laughs> yeah, their scouting just only goes interprovincial. <laughs> no, I'm not going to go to Vancouver or anything it's, like that. Flights That's, are too expensive. Yeah, exactly. We have to drive. <clears throat> yeah, so I guess, like, as uninteresting as what our teams did, that, you know, it's an interesting storyline, I suppose. Yeah. You know, swapping goalies. Uh, obviously, there's Two very different stories for those goalies, though. What did you think of what the Flames ended up getting? Well, Cam Talbot has had very good years in the past. Now, they're a couple years behind him, but he's not that old. He's mm-hmm. only 31 years old, and he's had a couple rough seasons behind the Oilers, which I find it hard to blame him for as a <laughs> Flames fan. The Oilers aren't really known for their renowned defense, and then he moved on to Philadelphia, who has an equally good reputation for burning out goalies yeah as an Oilers fan I can agree with you that you can't really blame him for uh, a lot of his lack of success exactly and I actually heard someone on the fan 960 I believe it was either Pete Labardius or Pat Steinberg I'm gonna credit one of them (laughs) I, I can't remember exactly which one but they said that the year that the Oilers went to the playoffs mm-hmm. and won a series. They uh, or did they win two series? They won one. They won one series. Okay, yeah. Cam Talbot and and Connor McDavid easily were the reasons that that team got to the playoffs. And Connor McDavid was the most valuable player in the league that year. But Peter Labardius and or Peter <laughs> Peter Steinberg, <laughs> Peter Labardius and Pat Steinberg said that. You could have made a case that Connor McDavid was the league MVP, but Cam Talbot was actually the Oilers MVP, which I thought was really interesting because he had spectacular numbers and he saved a lot of games for them that they didn't really have any business winning between him and McDavid. And then he really went downhill after he was used a ton that year. He played in a lot of games Mm -hmm. and he continued to play in a lot of games. Then he really went downhill. So I think he has a chance to get back to where he was I think that playing against a more stout Flames defense and including you know Norris winner Mark Giordano that'll plug, probably plug. probably help him bounce back a bit he'll be splitting a load with David Riddick in fact uh, GM Brad Living said that for now in their eyes Riddick is the de facto starter and it's Talbot's job to take that away from him so 
theoretically Talbot will be starting a lot less and there will be less of a load on him. And I heard some really interesting thoughts from radio personalities about this where Brent Cron, actually, who was a former goalie, former Flames draft pick, uh, he said that when you have such a huge workload as a goalie and you're playing tons and tons of games and tons and tons of minutes, you don't necessarily have lots of time to make adjustments in your game. So when you start going downhill you don't have a couple days off here and there to, to work on stuff in your game because you're playing night in and night out and you can't risk changing stuff about your game. So he thinks that might have something to do with why Talbot slid in his numbers so much over mm-hmm. a couple of years because he was playing so much. He just didn't really have the time to adapt his game. And now that he gets a bit of a breather, maybe we'll see a bounce back. So I'm hopeful He is coming in on a one-year deal, which means he wants to bet on himself. He wants to prove to the Flames and to the league that he's still a good goalie and that he can make some big money on his next contract. So I'm hoping that him and Riddick can give us some stability for one whole year. Yeah. Yeah, I I think he'll be good for them. Uh, I think the Flames will also be good for him, too. Like you said, obviously the defense is going to play a factor. But yeah, I I would agree there's an element of burnout or exhaustion or just, like you said, not enough time to make those adjustments because, you know, he's still fairly young. If he had one really great season, you know, you can't necessarily think, well, everything's going to be daisies and roses from here on in. In fact, I think in our very first episode, we talked about how he potentially was suffering from burnout or mm-hmm. could be seeing that, so... Don't go back and listen to that episode. It was terrible. <laughs> yeah. But we did talk about it, so just take our word for that. Another interesting point that was brought up was that even the most elite goalies have dips in a five-year period. Mm-hmm. So they will put up elite stats, but then there's always a year, if you take a five-year chunk, where they have a really down year. Even Carey Price had a year where save percentage was really low. Bobrovsky had one of those, um, for example. So there is evidence to suggest that cam talbot has kind of had his down years and now hopefully he'll bounce back but he's not the only goalie that switched homes what do you think about mike smith and edmonton um i think it's a very different story (laughs) because mike smith has had many 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 more years of history than talbot has decades Um, even (laughs) but uh i've always been a fan of mike smith uh i remember when he originally got picked up by Calgary. Uh, I was a fan of that move. I kept trying to tell you guys, I don't know if you were one of the ones fighting me on it, but I kept trying to tell you guys, all the Flames fans around me, you know, this is a good thing. Like, I know he's old. I know he's kind of nearing the end of his career, but he's a really good goalie. He's going to do really well for your team, and he's going to kind of help those younger goalies come along. Now, granted, that was two years ago. Yeah. So... Two years ago, he was, you know, it was questionable. <laughs> now, you know, still quite a bit more questionable. But uh, that being said, the Oilers needed a uh, mature 1B goalie to uh, try and help Koskinen become a new starter. Um, and I think Smith is not done by any means. The, the, his playoffs performance... I was going to say last year, but last month or two months <laughs> yeah. ago or whatever that was, it definitely showed that he's not ready to be finished. So I think it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see him 
play uh, behind Koskinen and uh, hopefully teach him some stuff. And I think it'll be good for the team and good for him. I, I think all in all, both our teams kind of benefit from this move. Granted, I didn't want Talbot to be traded originally. <laughs> so had that not happened, I'd be, you know, I'd be okay with that, just keeping Talbot. But because we got rid of him, because that's what we do with good goalies <laughs> that have one bad week, I think it'll be good for the Oilers and for Smith to see this deal. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how much he plays. Uh, he does have a lot of options for bonuses in his contract for playing upwards of 45 games. He gets the most of his regular season bonuses, but uh, we'll see if he ends up playing all that. But he also gets a bonus if we make the playoffs, but I don't think we can put all that <laughs> on his back, so... We'll see. Better be a pretty big bonus if he can get them to the playoffs. That being said, I think it was actually a very good signing by Edmonton because when we saw Spectacular Smith was in the playoffs, and that's actually when the Flames were playing really poorly and allowing a ton of shots to Colorado. And there's that goalie cliche where, you know, it's way easier to play when you see lots of shots. And I think I heard that about Smith every single game. Mm -hmm. The announcers brought that up, is that he loves to be in the action and see lots of shots, and that's why he plays the puck and all that. But even though it's a tired cliche, he is the embodiment of it. Because when he faces tons of shots and is constantly busy, he is spectacular. I think part of the reason he might have struggled in Calgary a bit is because... They he had was bored. They, yeah, he was bored. Like they, <laughs> yeah. they didn't allow a lot of shots during the regular season, and they were outscoring teams a lot. But when he got to the playoffs, he was busy and he was like saving everything, and he was incredible. So, behind a pretty porous Edmonton defense, he might stand on his head most nights. Yeah, like, he yeah. could. He could really, I think, steal them a ton of games if. He's like healthy and ready to go. I yeah, I totally agree. But as you said, if he's healthy, and I think if yeah. anything, him being the goalie for the Oilers is going to age him an additional ten years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> over the next ten months. So he's gonna get so mad at them uh, in the locker room. Can yeah, you imagine. And of course, uh, another thing I guess we should mention is obviously Dave Tippett was his coach in. Oh. In uh, I was gonna say Phoenix in Arizona. Well, it would have been Phoenix at the time too. So all right, there fine. You go. <laughs> in Glendale on <laughs> yeah. that Coyotes roster, <laughs> Tippett was his coach. So uh, I'm sure he was involved in that decision in some way. And I'm sure even if Tippett wasn't asked, I'm sure Smith was thinking, "Oh yeah, I would happily play for him again." So hopefully that'll be uh, good chemistry as well, and we'll see some success out of that. So, aside from our two uh, goalie pickups, our goalie swap, if you will, uh, what did you think about all the mighty action that happened on the other side of the continent in free agency? To be honest, usually free agency is an absolute flurry of mad spending that never works out, but this year it seemed a lot more restrained mm -hmm. than usual. I mean, it's still throwing around gobs of money, but... Like you said, the other side of the continent, the eastern seaboard, really got a lot better, I think. they It was kind of a mini arms race over there, mm -hmm. fighting over Russians that wanted to live there. Um, so Columbus, basically, I don't even know if they have a team anymore. They imploded over this offseason, as we've, we've kind of covered. They let their top two, arguably their top two players go, top three even, with Matt Duchesne leaving for Nashville. But Panarin and Bobrovsky both left Columbus Panarin signing in New York for the Rangers and Bobrovsky signing in Florida playing for the Panthers and you know I I'm not sure what to think about 
Bobrovsky's contract, he's obviously a very good goalie, but $10 million a year for a goalie um, through his 30s, I think, is a pretty risky move. Obviously, they had to do that because someone else would. That's kind of the yeah. idea behind free agency is that you got to overpay him or else someone else will. And with Luongo retiring, that leaves a huge hole in their team. So I think it's an overpayment. I think it's a risk. But for the next few years... I think it's a really good move, and Florida's going to be pretty good. Yep. And I'm also not quite sure what to think about New York, because they had this rebuild thing going, this little retool, and I think they were doing pretty well getting young players. They drafted Capo Caco second overall. I absolutely just said that because I like saying his name. (laughs) And they were kind of, it seemed like they were going to play the slow game. They warned their fans that they were going to have a rebuild. And then they went out and signed the biggest free agent this year in Artemi Panarin for over $11 million a year. So Rebuild over. Yeah, rebuild's done, solved. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do because they, you know, when we hear about trade rumors and stuff, the Rangers are quite often in there with names like Kreider and um, Stahl and just older sort of veterans or, you know, mid-aged players who are good. But now, are they going to want to keep them? Do they still want to trade them for younger players to surround Panarin with? Um, what are they going to do with Lundqvist? Can he play forever? Maybe. <laughs> so I think that team's going to be a super interesting one to watch now that it's kind of unclear whether they're still going through with a rebuild or whether they think they've entered competing phase after a whole year of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. So that's what I that's what I saw with these free agent signings. What What were your points of interest? Yeah, I, again, like you said, it was mostly stuff on the East. Um, I am kind of a closeted, not really closeted, I am sort of a Rangers fan deep down, so uh, it's always exciting to see them doing things, but like you said, was that enough to (laughs) complete a one-year rebuild? Yeah, I guess the one thing about uh, free agency that was more exciting than usual and I gave a little jazzy hand flare there that only Darren saw <laughs> Ooh, so exciting was uh the often rumored and often mythological offer sheet was finally tendered Sebastian Ajo was provided with an offer sheet by the Montreal Canadiens uh offered him a substantial deal uh Carolina was I don't know they were kind of toying with the fans and anyone paying attention, like, hey, offer sheets, exciting stuff, but all along they were going to be matching it. There was really no question. In fact, they, I saw they, um, they sent a... Sent, I don't know how Twitter works. There was a poll on Twitter provided by the Carolina Hurricanes that said, are we going to match Sebastian Ajo's offer sheet? And the two options were yes and we. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, straight from the beginning, it was going to be matched. Um, But, you know, we've always been talking about, oh, this is going to be the year. It's going to be so exciting. An offer sheet's going to happen. And it actually did. Nothing really came of it. So I guess it's not as exciting as we all maybe hoped for. But slight variation to the usual free agency. It was a little bit interesting. I think it was just basically Montreal was trying a really low-risk gamble. Because they didn't really offer sheet Aho for that much. Mm-hmm. Like you could, you could very easily argue that he's worth a lot more than the eight point four million or whatever they offered him. Well, what happened was 
they were trying to play on the fact that Carolina's owner's quite frugal with his money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so actually, I believe Aho is owed $21 million sometime this week. Right, yeah, it was fairly front-loaded. Yeah, so it was loaded with bonuses and stuff designed to scare away the Carolina ownership if if it could be managed. But Carolina was like, yeah, right, okay, we're cheap, but we're not that cheap. We're yeah. still going to sign our, yeah, our best player. Yeah, they're, they're like you said, frugal. They're, they're willing to play smart with their money, but they're, you know, they, want, they still want to contend. I, I feel like uh, of, of many teams, they're... You know, one of the few ones that knows how to build well and intelligently affordable. <laughs> yeah. So I, I like for all the offer sheet excitement, I did my own jazz hands there. <laughs> uh, I think it was really just a low risk play by Montreal just to test it out, and maybe we'll see another one that's actually a a big offer sheet. Because when we think offer sheets, we think massive overpayment, where the other team or the team that's being offer sheeted is like, no way, we can't match that. Screw you guys. And there's fist shaking and barn <laughs> fights and everything and like creates this bad blood. But that's really hard because of the salary cap era. Yeah. Neither team can really go out on a massive limb and like offer sheet someone like that. So Well and, and particularly this year with the cap only going up, you know, eighty three dollars or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like you said earlier, there wasn't a huge flurry of big, ridiculous spending this year as we've seen in previous years, and and I think that's because of that small cap rise, right? So we'll see if maybe everything turns around next year and there will be big money being thrown around again, but who knows. So in lieu of actual fun free agent news, because we've covered everything already that's even remotely interesting, we thought we'd give you some fun facts that Stu is tracking over the course of the last week or so. Tracking, yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> A lot po- of research put into this. <laughs> that popped up on his phone at some point or another, is what I mean by tracking. So first of all, we have Miroslav Shatan. Um, he was a longtime NHL player. I believe he played for Buffalo for most of his career, if not all of it. He played for the Oilers, actually. So he did. Connections all around. Oh, yeah. Former Oilers player Miroslav Shatan. Man, that is hard to say. <laughs> Miroslav Shatan is yep. has been named the president of the Slovak Ice Hockey Federation, which... You know, might seem like weird news for us to just include in this uh, in this Flames and Oilers podcast, but the fun part is, it was retweeted by the Church of Satan, and they saying congratulations, yeah. President Satan, congratulating President Satan. Now, if it wasn't obvious from how I butchered his name, Shatan <laughs> is actually spelled exactly the same as Satan. So. I guess props to the Church of Satan for, for promoting hockey in Slovakia. power in Slovakia yeah. hockey. <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. The other fun fact we have and have uncovered is that the word for mullet in Sweden is actually hockey frilla. How amazing is that? I yeah, like, I'm going to use that one. We have all these for nicknames sure. for hockey hair like Flo and... Well, that's the only one, isn't it? <laughs> So if you ever need a, a nickname for Wicked Flow, I, I would suggest Hockey Frilla or even just Frilla, Mad Frilla. It's like Skrilla, but better because <laughs> it involves hair. 
So since free agency is now over and our teams are apparently not going to do anything now until October, uh, we're probably going to take some time off from recording for a little bit. Uh, we'll definitely be back in time for the uh, opener. Uh, probably do one maybe before the season starts. Rate how well our teams do yeah. in preseason. Training camp's fun, right? Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk to you again. And by then, our very own Darren Platt will also be a married man. So early congratulations to you on that. Assuming all goes well from yeah. here. I, I might have more time to do this because I'll be getting kicked out of a house to, you know... Not annoy your wife. Get out of my wife's hair. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll see how that goes. But, anyways, in the meantime, thank you all very much for listening to us this past season. It's been a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, we will be sure to chat with you guys again come the next season. Like Stu said, thank you everyone for listening. Make sure to like, rate, and subscribe to us. That would help us immensely in getting word out about our podcast. Our theme song is Lose Your Head by Apache Tomcat. We'll be back next season. I hope you are too. Goodbye.